You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Outdoor Edge knows that providing a freezer full of meat is part of the reason we all hunt. And what better way to bring it full circle than to process your own wild game? Outdoor Edge provides a full lineup of traditional and replaceable blade hunting knives and complete wild game processing kits to bring your wild game from the field to the freezer. Visit OutdoorEdge.com and at checkout, enter the discount code N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. My name's Dan. You know that. Still got nine fingers. It hasn't grown back yet. So today, we got a a pretty cool episode. My good buddy, Mark Kenyon. You know who he is, too. Uh, he's on the podcast today for a good old-fashioned BS session, and uh, it's you know we we talk a lot about deer hunting, but uh, his schedule was to the max last year, bouncing around to a whole bunch of different states and uh, hunting a variety of different scenarios, hunting public and private, and just bouncing around all over the place, uh, trying to get uh, a whitetail in the back of the truck, and. As you will hear him say, man, he, he doesn't come out and directly say it, but I feel like he may have been a little burnt out by the end of the season. And uh, he was on the road a lot, a lot of time in the tree stand. Maybe his style of hunting was switched up a little bit. And you'll hear him express all of this in today's episode. But, uh, you know, there's always uh, a good old good old fashioned BS session. It's going to be a good one whenever Mark's on. And uh, hopefully you guys uh, appreciate it. Thanks, Mark, for taking time out of your day to hop on. And it's got me thinking a lot about when we started the Wired to Hunt podcast back in the day and how far we've both come from that the time we that that podcast was started to where we are today uh so it's kind of funny to go back and listen to some of the first episodes I, I, as far as the nine finger chronicles is concerned and even the the wired to hunt podcast when it was just like episode one didn't have a clue what we were doing and uh it worked out for both of us so that's uh that's a good thing 
So today is a good episode, blah, 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 blah. We got to do commercials uh, real quick, and I'm just going to mention them uh, today. We need all of you guys to go check out wasparchery.com. Uh, discount code for 20% off is uh, NFC20 for 20% off. Uh, dude, I, I absolutely love everything about wasp. I love the people who work there. I love the product. I've killed more deer with a wasp broadhead than any other broadhead that you know I may have played around with. I've been a wasp guy since for there was maybe one or two years when I wasn't. I had a different head on my arrow, but uh, from the time I picked up a bow and was spending my own money, like 2006ish, maybe 2004ish, I was shooting a wasp broadhead and, and specifically a jackhammer so love that company wasparchery.com go check them out whether you're a fixed blade or a mechanical guy they got heads for everyone if you're looking for a crossbow uh whether it's for yourself or whether it's for uh, a family member or somebody you know kids getting them involved uh, maybe your wife getting them involved go check out excalibur crossbows at excalibercrossbow.com they have a crossbow for everybody so go check them out hunt stand it it's that time of year man where if i'm if i have a little bit of a downtime i pick up my phone and i'm starting to scroll through hunt stand i'm looking at different access routes on the properties that i have access to i'm e-scouting public land in for my out-of-state hunt, hunts i'm marking water i might i'm marking pitch points i'm marking access i'm marking parking spots just just everything putting together a strategy and planning for the upcoming season. And I, I do that through hunt stand and they're uh, like, they have several base maps to choose from. You can do, um, uh, just topo lines. You can do satellite, you can do hybrid, you can do property owners, you can do a whole bunch of different things. And they update their, uh, they update that, uh, their, their satellite imagery about once a month now, which is pretty helpful vortexoptics.com they're the title sponsor here again another company that is absolutely awesome to work with they are participants in the outdoors and that's why i like working with them uh, these guys are as passionate about uh, the outdoors and uh, shooting sports as we are and so it's awesome to work with a company like that uh, that makes awesome products awesome people and uh, man it doesn't really get much better than that so vortexoptics.com and lastly if you're looking for a solid trail camera go check out exodusoutdoorgear.com these guys are uh, they put out a product that i can trust and really that I'm confident in. And that's what I want. When I put my trail cameras out, the goal of them being out is to capture data so I can use that in, in future hunts. So when I put out my Exodus trail cameras, they work. I'm confident in them and that's why I keep using them. So a huge shout out to Exodus for doing that. ExodusOutdoorGear.com. Go check them out. We're done with commercials. So now we shall get into today's episode with Mark Kenyon. Three, two, one. Mark, how many cups of coffee do you drink in a day? Uh, on average, three. Usually uh, two in the morning and one after lunch. Okay. That's, respect That's respectable. Dude, I, I crush coffee pretty much from the moment I wake up until I eat lunch. Then I pound a whole bunch of water, and then somewhere around three o'clock, I drink another cup of coffee. 
And so I'm not so sure I would even make it through a day if I just removed caffeine from my body. Okay, but how many actual cups? You, you say you crush, but I got I to gotta know, like quantify it for me. Okay, so I'm going to guess a whole pot in the morning and then one more cup in the afternoon. Okay, so how many cups is in a pot? That's some old school shit, man. I don't use pots. We use, we use uh, uh, what do you call them? Uh, Keurigs. Keurigs, the younger yep. generation. But yep. what, are, what are you guys using the boomer generation? <laughs> you know what? If it's going to be that kind of show, I'll just hang up now. You're going to jab <laughs> me like that. <laughs> no. Um, six, six cups maybe in a pot? Okay, so some of that goes to my wife. Uh, so I would say, no, there's... It says 12, our pot says 12. So I'm at least drinking half to two-thirds of that pot myself. And then another uh, another cup I make with either instant or I'll brew a very small amount in the uh, in the afternoon. So, so eight, possibly. You might be drinking eight cups a day. Yeah, probably, probably. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of coffee. Is that, I mean... Uh, your professional opinion, is that good or bad for my body? Well, you know, I don't know if I've got a professional opinion, but I've got a amateur concern. Okay. Because because I probably could drink that much, too, because I, 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 I like to just be drinking throughout the whole day. Yeah. Uh, but I worry. Like, I'm like, it can't be good. And so I've tried to keep myself from doing more than I do, even though, like, I'll be like, ah, I just get more coffee. So I try to do the water thing. Yeah, but I don't know. Um, it just seems like that's a lot of stimulant. Yeah, but I can't say I know that for sure. It just sounds like a lot. Yeah. Um, there's got to be someone smarter than us that's listening though that does know the science. Yeah. And I would love to know what the ideal amount is to get the benefits without any downside. Yeah. Um, what could the downside be? I don't know. Um, I'm sure there's something wrong with drinking too much coffee. Well, I heard. <laughs> look at anything. This is what I I've researched. I heard that if you drink too much, it could affect you long-term uh, in, like, dementia. Uh, it could give you dementia. I don't know if that... Really? Yeah. Uh, or, you know, like, type of brain brain problems. But I've also heard that uh, in moderation, coffee is very good for your body, and that stimulant actually helps you in some aspect. So... I don't know. Uh, I, I'd be willing to give it a try in about, let's see, it'd be about 14 or 15 years. Uh, I'll try cutting back as soon as my kids are out of the house. <laughs> yeah, that would be the, the one time you might be able to have slightly less caffeine to survive. So, dude, it sounds like you need another listen, cup yourself. Listen, yeah, it sounds like I do need another one. I just finished my second, and, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm tempted to get more, but. Well, I hope it's not the fact that I'm boring you to death with uh, coffee talk. <laughs> coffee, coffee talk. Yeah. <laughs> no, now I'm now I'm just intrigued. You, you'd think that there'd be a lot of research on this since it's like the national drink of our of our nation. Yeah. Um, I think in the world, coffee like coffee is the number one drink in the entire world. More than Budweiser. <laughs> I just, for some reason, I don't envision some village in China drinking Budweiser (laughs) like they would potentially drink coffee. But who knows? Budweiser could be a hit over there. 
I don't know. I wish uh, we really need a guy, someone who <laughs> listens to these things, who then is able to go Google all this stuff and come back and be like, "All right, you guys don't know what you're talking when it comes to coffee, but Mark was absolutely right about the Budweiser and right. and whatever else we bring up today." Right. It'd be really nice to have somebody like that. You know, like in the Joe Rogan show, he has a guy that just facts yeah. fact checks everything while the conversation's yeah. happening. Yeah. Exactly. What's the guy's name? Jamie, I think. Yeah, Jamie or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need we need a Jamie. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. So, are you still in Michigan, or have you made it to Idaho yet? Yeah, I am still in Michigan, but not for much longer. We uh, we leave a week from today, so uh, it's just kind of like the chaos of the chaos of trying to get everything done for the summer at our Michigan house. It's all got to be done now. So, like a year's worth of spring and summer yard work and all that kind of stuff, we have to get done in April. So that's all coming to a head. And then we're also needing to pack for a summer. So we have to pack three months worth of stuff over the next seven days. Yeah. So it's kind of a chaotic period. Right. Now, as you as you head out west, right, um, there's always this, like, whenever I think about going away for a long period of time, I think, man, that would be fun. But as hardcore of a whitetail guy as you are, Stepping away from the Michigan trail cameras and the the the, the habitat work, let's say, or or, um, or even maybe scouting some other Midwestern states that you that you might be hunting, does that ever like get to you throughout the summer while you're out there? Like, God, I, I need to be running trail cams, or I need to be doing something whitetail related. Yes and no. Um, the yes would be like there's always some point in july where i get like the real serious like velvet itch where i wish i could be out driving around scouting velvet whitetails seeing you know i'm seeing the pictures on instagram and everything of other people and so i always get that um now fortunately there is some good whitetail stuff not too far away from me in in idaho that i do hunt in the fall um so usually around that time i'll start heading down there and scouting and stuff like that um but I will say that the more I've, you know, the deeper I've gone with whitetail, especially as I've made it, you know, my career, the more I've also needed like a strong opposite force. Yeah. So like I, like the fall is so, 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 so consumed with all that stuff that having a couple months completely divorced from it has actually been like healthy for me. Yeah. Um, so I can go out there and, and have this other side of me that I can enjoy and dig into. And then when I get back, you know, in August, then I'm like fully refreshed, fully ready and raring to go. And then to go 200 miles an hour from August right through January. Um, so it's, it's kind of like how I refill my tank, both by depriving myself of a thing I love so that I enjoy it even more when I come back to in August, but then also filling my tank up with this other thing I love, which, you know, I've, as you know, I've, I've developed just about as much of an obsession with fly fishing as I have with whitetail hunting. So that's like this other thing that's not career related at all. That is just like a pure fun thing. Um, that's been like a really good, like balancing out force for me. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that part over these next few months and, and, uh, you know, just try to make sure I'm prepared leading into August that so when I step foot back on Midwestern turf, I'm ready to go full force. Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel you. I feel you on that. Um, yeah. Now, I got to ask you a question. Um, and <laughs> so you were going, like you said, 200 miles an hour uh, this past year uh, in the Whitetail mm-hmm. Woods, bouncing all over the place, um, getting try, trying to create content and at the same time, you know, have the passion of being the whitetail hunter that we all have been for the longest time. Right. Yep. You know, and, and just an all like a friend to friend question almost would be like, did, did that creating content and passion for you ever collide this year where you're just like, man, I understand we have this schedule to keep, but at the same time, maybe I'd be doing things a little bit different if I didn't have a crew with me. hundred percent. Yeah. Like I definitely had like this past year was a, um, I, I mean, I think I'm going to look back at it as like a turning point year. Like yeah. it was, it was this year I went, you know, 2000% into, you know, all these different states and hosting shows and all this kind of stuff. And it was all over the place. And, you know, coming out of it, I, I definitely have been like reflecting on what I want to do with my career and what I want to do with hunting and what with hunting makes me happy and what's, what goals pursuing. And, and there was all sorts of stuff, man. I mean, when it comes to just how much travel, when it came to, you know, what my goals should be when it came to, you know, outside perspectives and outside criticism and outside all this kind of stuff. And like, you know, just, you know, comparing what I'm doing to other people and like all like the crap that we've talked about over the years. Um, that is kind of like the, the dark side of like deer hunting, all that kind of stuff. I feel like I was confronted with this past year. Um, Elaborate on that. Elaborate on that a little bit. Like, what kind of criticism did you get for doing what you were doing? Well, I mean, it's stuff like, um, it's like all the shit, like, ah, you don't shoot big bucks. You don't shoot enough big bucks. How come you can't do like this, what guy, this guy does, or this guy kills all his big deer or you shoot, you know, you know, I had all sorts of things like throughout where I was going on these trips and doing these travels and stuff. And I'm thinking about how should I adjust my goals? I've got three and a half days to hunt. Um, you know, should I be trying to kill a four or five year old like I usually do, or should I change those goals? And so like thinking through all those things and then thinking through what are other people going to say if I do this and then thinking about why should I care about what other people think about? So I just, I was, I just had to think, I had to work through all those things. And then I did, you know, start shooting younger bucks and then just dealing with all that criticism and stuff and just getting to a point, um, after the season and I also, I also was dealing with, um, like I just had like a, uh, a collapse in my confidence in shooting throughout the year, kind of start off on a bad note with a wounded deer. And that kind of got in my head. I think we've talked about this a little bit, but I had like a cascading series of things that happened throughout the year that, um, you know, between like a few bad things happening, maybe that was partly out of my control that then, you know, reduced my confidence. Then you, you mesh that up with, being gone for more than two months, so all the travel, and then there was like this pressure of, you know, I'm hosting two different shows that I'm supposed to be like the face of and filming all this stuff. And so like, all those things added up. Um, and then what I just described, like 
managing expectations and what I want out of these hunts and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I got to the point after the year, like, man, that this isn't fun anymore. Yeah. Um, why am I doing this? What is, what do I want out of this? Um, and so there's, you know, a part of me in the past, you know, a past version of Mark wanted to be like a slayer, like a whitetail assassin. This guy that everyone looks up to as being like this amazing deer hunter. And like at one point I aspired to be someone, you know, who could, you know, who people would look to as an example of, you know, like the best and the best. Like I thought, well, I can, I can, I never was, but I always thought I could get better and get better and have been better doing that. And, and there was some like whisper in the back of my mind, like, oh, you know, that's what you want someday, you know? And so I was, you know, working towards those kinds of things and, you know, wanted to kill big deer for my own, for my own sake. Yes. But then also like, I wanted to prove like what I do, what I talk about on the podcast and what I write about, I want to be able to showcase yeah, you know, I know what I'm talking about, and so there's definitely like a pressure I put on myself over years to do that. And after this year, I started thinking, you know what? I don't think that's what I want anymore. I don't think I want to be Andy May. I don't think I want to be Mark Drury. Uh, I don't think I want to be Levi Morgan. I don't want to be any of those people. Um, nothing against them; like they're great hunters. That's awesome. But I'm not sure that like the mark I want to leave in through my content or through my stories or anything. I don't think it is about like all oh, this dude can kill a lot of big deer. Uh, I enjoy, of course I enjoy hunting. I enjoy targeting old bucks and stuff like that. But I think what I'm realizing more and more is what I really enjoy is the experiences mm-hmm. and sharing those stories. And like, I think I can still do my job and provide something useful to people, um, without needing to be a terminator out there. Yeah. Um, I think I can be a podcast host or I can write articles or I can share stories that can be about really fun experiences or it can be about shooting young bucks or it can be about not succeeding plenty of times. And I don't think I need to, nor do I want to anymore, try to, you know, kill five big bucks a year or something. Um, I think at one point I thought, oh, I got to travel over the country and I got to shoot big deer and I got to do it this super hard way and I need to, yeah, I thought that's what I had to do. And I, I don't think that I want to do that, nor do I need to do that anymore um, from a career standpoint. But then also just if I want to keep hunting and enjoying it and doing this thing that has meant so much to me, um, I think if I keep going down that path, I'm going to burn out. Yeah. I already am. I already yeah. have been. And I don't want to go further that way. Yeah. So, um, so I'm pulling back this year in a lot of ways. I don't know what that's going to mean for projects and stuff like that, um, that I do I'm still figuring that out, but I'm not traveling as much this fall. Um, I'm going to try to make time to do stuff like still go to my family deer camp. Uh, I'm going to try to make time to still hunt locally. Like I've always enjoyed in the past, but didn't get to do hardly at all last year. Um, I make time to take my son out this year. You know, I, he's at that age now he's interested in starting to go with me and, yeah. um, it seems, it seems stupid to, to just be gone all the time and doing it in a way that I'm not enjoying anymore. Yeah. So that I'll so be, yeah, that's, I'll that's be honest, man. Yeah, dude, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm happy to hear you say that. Like, and I'll just, I know we're recording right now, but as kind of a friend, man, we talked a couple of times throughout this season and I could hear it in your voice. Right. That yeah. you were just like exhausted of 
the whatever it was you're doing. So I'm the cool thing is is that you have identified that. And then the second thing is like yeah. I think what that ultimately is going to do is it's going to kind of restart a flame for like it's almost like starting over again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like realizing, dude, I don't have to slay giant deer to have fun. It's fun to go yeah. after them and attack them and do the whole process, but it doesn't define number one, who you are and define, uh, what success is. And so dude, that's yeah. awesome. I think. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited about it too. I'm excited to like really, I, I, I what I'm really going to try to do is, you know, I have, historically put and you have heard me talk about this kind of stuff for years I've, I've put a ton of pressure on myself yeah um like i've made it seem like life or death in my own mind um and and i would talk outwardly you know about that like you know you gotta you gotta work so hard this no matter what you no excuses blah 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 if you're not sitting out there every hour of every day you know you're not giving everything you have and and it there's something to be said for that. I get it. Um, and I certainly was into that. And there's certainly people that want to do that. And Hey, if, if all the, if the most important thing for you is achieving that goal and that goal is killing a five-year-old buck or whatever, um, then sometimes that is what you need to do. Right. I think my goals are just changing now. I don't yeah. think that I'm going to approach hunting seasons anymore thinking that my goal is like, I got to kill a five-year-old buck here in this state. I got to kill a big buck in this state. I got to kill six tags and some shit like that. I think I'm going to start going into, hunting seasons being like, you know what? I want to have fun this season. Yeah. I want to go to a place that I really like spending time and see what I can learn about it and maybe get a deer, maybe not. But, uh, you know what? This year, I'm myself permission to get breakfast with my buddies after a hunt in the morning instead of feeling like I have to hunt the entire day, maybe. Yeah. Or maybe I'll, you know, I, I don't know. This thing's too much fun to make it, uh, like a suffer fest. Yeah. Um, absolutely. That's, that's where I'm starting to, to think. And, and that, that might mean I'm going to, you know, have less quote unquote success and, um, fewer, you know, success stories to share trophy pictures to share whatever, but I'm done with that, man. I'm kind of, I'm kind of done with it. I I might be the guy that's going to kill like one deer a year, maybe, um, and some does. Um, but I'm going to have more fun doing it. And I think, um, you know, I think I can tell better stories and share truer experiences that way versus, you know, shuttling all over the country, sitting in stand. I mean, I mean, last year, I'm glad I did last year because I learned a ton and it was a great experience and it was very eye-opening in a lot of ways. Um, but I, one thing I definitely know is not for me now is like the folks that go hunt and had to produce like, 10 episodes of content. So they hunt with all sorts of outfitters and they hunt all sorts of properties, yes. kill big deer in like yes. four days or whatever. Like no, never did I want to do the outfitter thing. Um, but trying to figure out a way to do it without that. Uh, you know, I don't want any of those things. Yeah. <laughs> Basically what I'm getting at. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it was an important year for me to do that and, um, to struggle through, through some things and figure some stuff out and, and maybe, by relieving myself of these expectations and like trying to do these crazy things and instead getting back to just like trying to do stuff that's fun and interesting, who knows, maybe that'll lead to me having more quote unquote success too, because right. I'm not so on my head and so miserable all the time doing it. Right. 
Yeah, I was talking to my buddy, uh, and you know him too, Justin Czar, about this. Yeah. Uh, about, you know, going and, and just some of these people are gone 100 plus days a year away from their family. And they're okay with it, I guess. Uh, whatever relationship yep. they have, it works out or it doesn't. You know, sometimes it doesn't work out, but they're putting hunting in front of, and this is what I look, they're putting hunting in their career in front of family. Uh, maybe, maybe. But like for me, like I, I like my however many hunts a year I can go on and come back and watch my son play football and and uh watch my other you know other son do soccer or, or dance and and things like that i i enjoy that like i enjoy my family and and stuff like that i also know that when it's time to go hunt then it, you need to take it seriously because you don't have another opportunity later at, that year you can't yeah. go back to a place or you can't you you're not bouncing from hey i have four days here then i got to go to this place then i got to go to this place yeah. and i feel like then you're looking at your calendar more than you're hunting and uh then that pressure like you said comes on and dude it, i i don't know and uh, like i've had to go through this the same thing you're talking about where i just realized that i had to and, and you know this this is probably going to turn click the explicit button on this podcast, but <laughs> I, I, I've had to play the zero fucks card. Like, yeah, I don't give a fuck about certain things anymore. And so I'm out there to, to do me. I got to do me. And that's yeah. what I feel is important. And, and like you sometimes doing me means like, I want to have fun too. I want to, I want to include other people in my adventures and journeys. And, and, and that's at the end of the day, that's what you're taking to the grave with you. You're not taking your mounts with you. You're taking the fa all yeah. these, these memories with you. And so yeah. I don't know, that's just me venting. Yeah, man. I think we're on the same page. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's been, uh, it's been a wild ride. We've, we've, <laughs> We've we've learned some things along the way. We've gone some directions. We've gone others. We've gone up and down. And and I guess maybe this means we're becoming wiser. Maybe <laughs> I or, doubt that. I don't know. <laughs> maybe not that. But <laughs> we're becoming something. Right. Maybe it's just old. <laughs> right. Well, uh, I'll tell you that. That's what my knees are saying these days. But yeah, th th I you, hear you there. You you made a good point there, and that was about um, learning, right? Walking away from yep. this. And so I want to I want you to just brainstorm for a second. Maybe talk out loud while you're thinking about you as a and let's just stick with whitetails right now. Do you think do you think the Mark Kenyon in 2014 or 13 whenever you started wired to hunt is a different kind of hunter than let's say this past season? Uh what what are some things that you have learned from your experiences out chasing deer that have led to you becoming more successful or have changed your approach? Yeah. I mean, just, it's incredibly different. Super, yeah. super, super different. You know, I think, you know, 2013 or 14 Mark was definitely in that mindset. Like I have to be a terminator. I have to, um, you know, nothing matters more than killing a deer was yeah. definitely my mindset back then. 
Um, so I was in that mind. I was also pretty clueless, or at least relatively clueless on a lot of of how you do that. You know, at that stage in my life, I was very much in like the consuming everything I possibly could, learning everything I possibly could because there's so much I was still trying to figure out. Um, and like there's, there's big swaths of knowledge I was still processing and trying to um, put into action. Over the 10 years since then, um, you know, I've gotten to do so much myself. So like, you know, 2010, 11, 12, 13, those are years where you know, I didn't have as much personal experience. You know, I'd hunted a lot in Michigan, a decent amount of Michigan. Um, but, you know, really had never had opportunities at Mature Bucks until 2011 or 10. You know, really didn't, like, start diving into like, that world until that time period. Um, so early on, it was, I had this base level knowledge, but I was trying to get, like, expert level results Yeah. while only getting expert level knowledge, not from my own experience, but from like consuming stuff. So in 2011 and 12 and 13, you know, it was like, I was trying to make decisions based on what I read in a book or making decisions based on what I saw in this how to video decisions based on this conversation I had with somebody. Um, so, you know, I, I made progress in those early years, um, especially compared to where I had been, you know, 10 years before that, when I was really a knucklehead. Um, but over the last 10 years, the biggest thing that's changed is that I've gone out into the world and now stress test all these things. Yeah. So now when I make a decision, like last year when I make a decision, um, I'm making decisions based on not what an article said or what a podcast said, but what my own experience has shown me. Yeah. Um, so that's that's been the huge thing is that I've been able to, um, you know, this is in part a good thing that came out of my Terminator years was that I was able to put myself in a million different situations and hunt a lot of different locations in a lot of different ways and really put in the hours and, and days and weeks um, so that now I have a, a really strong library of personal experience to go back on. Um, you know, I remember like 2011, 12, going out in the woods in like a new place and having my lone wolf on my back and my climbing sticks and my fancy stick of camo or whatever and thinking like, all right, you should really know what you're doing. You got all the right stuff. And you know all the things. <laughs> and like getting out in the woods and just feeling effing clueless. Right. Like, man, I don't know where to start. Here's a little rub. Um, and like having trying to like look back to like the flood of different magazine articles I read and like trying to sit there and think, what would John Eberhardt do in this situation or whatever? Um, and, and now it's just like an entirely, uh, entirely different experience. Um, you know, 10, 15 years of living this thing so, so seriously and doing so much of it. Um, it's, it's like I walk into a natural landscape now wearing a totally different set of glasses that I look at stuff through. Absolutely. Um, and, and so while I certainly still have plenty more to learn, um, I'm in a, a 2000% different world now, especially like, you know, all the stressors of last year, um, notwithstanding, it was great. It was like my master class. It was like having to go and get my master's degree after having, you know, over the last decade, studied so many different things, talked to so many different people, hunted many different states, 
um, had all these ideas about how I thought I should do things, and I, I did them in a number of different places. Now, last year, I had to spread my wings and go to even wildly different places than I had in the past. So I went, you know, and hunted in very different places in very different ways. And so it tested a lot of concepts. It forced me to, to see, okay, does what you know about deer apply in Alabama? Does it apply in Virginia? Does it apply in Nebraska? Does it apply in Arkansas? Does it apply in Wisconsin? Um, and so I was able to see how I could take my skill set and, and drop it down into this different kind of landscape, drop it into this other landscape, see if it works with these kinds of deer, see if it works with those kinds of deer. Um, and so it was, it was really good in a lot of ways. I'm glad I did it because now this year, I think I've, I've got an even more diversified set of experiences to pull from, but also like a, a better idea of, of how all of these things can apply across different, um, uh, different playing fields, I guess. Um, so so it's funny. I've, I've been thinking a lot about fishing and how like my whitetail experience compares like my fishing experience and, and, you know, what it would take to, you know, be like a, like a fishing guy. Like I've talked to different guides and just like hearing about their experiences and, um, and what it would take to be like a deer hunting guide, like, you know, like those types of things. And I talk to fly fishing guides and you hear their level of like expertise and stuff. And I feel like I'm getting to be like a pretty good or at least competent fly angler now. Um, you know, like my last six, seven years of fly fishing were like where I was in deer hunting 15 years ago, maybe. Um, and so it's been fun to go back to those early stages and learning something and like trying to learn off from scratch. Um, but when I talk to like expert level fly anglers, I'm like, oh man, they're, they're still speaking a language so far beyond me, but I can see like they're speaking about whitetail hunting. They're speaking about fly fishing, about how I can speak about whitetail hunting. So I feel like very confident now I could, you know, I could go and guide someone or teach someone, uh, when it comes to whitetail hunting, you know, right up there with, with any kind of fly fishing expert angler what they could do on a river um and so point of me saying that is i can see how far away i am still on the fishing side from that because i can see how far i've come on the deer hunting side um and and uh i guess i don't even know where i'm going this anymore dan but that's, <laughs> that's i guess how i would describe the progress i've made and how much i've learned and how different i look at things like oh, I, yeah. I can i can i can go out and, and very clearly pick apart a landscape and know what I want to do and know why I want to do it and know what's going on. Not to say I'm always going to be successful. There's still tons and tons of things. Obviously, we realize there's lots of variables. Um, but but I have very high confidence now, you know, that I can be in the game. Yeah. Um, and, you know, 10 years ago, I was flailing around just figuring out if the ball game was being played in this state or not. Yeah, I feel you. Man, and from 2006 to uh, 2016, really, 10 years in that gap there when I decided, you know, I, see, I had deer hunted before, but then I decided I wanted to be serious about it in 2006, and it took me. Yep. Yes, I, yes, I had success um, in that time frame, but it wasn't until 2016 to where things started to make sense to me. And so it yeah. took you know, 10 years of error and failure and not knowing 
shit to absorbing that information. And really that's what it was for me. It was this, this conversation I had with myself where it's just like, dude, you got to slow down because this hunting everyday stuff doesn't mean anything if you're not learning from what is happening in the woods and and yeah. getting blown out and why you're getting blown out and and why a deer decided to come downwind of you when you rattled and, and all these things right so yeah so it, it took a lot of failure and stuff like that and really for me i didn't i didn't necessarily consume a lot of the data or the the content like the magazine articles and things like that and one thing for me was that I realized I think I realized that some of that stuff didn't really apply to to me and my environment as much as it did uh, you know other people and and, you know you start to learn it's just like hey man this is just kind of regurgitated content at this point so it didn't really apply to me so so I didn't really consume a lot of that content and a lot of it for me was just this in the woods a lot and that's what kind of led me down the path of I guess where I am today and that's a much slower version of myself and what I mean slower is I'm, yes I'm actually physically slower than I, <laughs> yeah, than I was in 2006 <laughs> but but the uh, what am I going for here like just the I take more time to process everything. I, mm-hmm. I slow down in my decision-making. I slow down in my approach to the entire season. And when it's time to hunt, I go hunt and I hunt hard, but yeah. I, I, I'm not going into the woods like a banshee every, you know, every day. Yeah. Yeah, man. I can relate to that a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I'm having more fun too. That's the key. I think, yep. I think, um, I, uh, this is just a this is just a hypothesis right now, but I think when you when you get back to just having fun and not worrying as much about what you are going to shoot, yeah, I think you end up probably having better chances to shoot stuff. Yeah, that's probably that's probably so, true. That's probably true. That's my work. That's my working theory right now. We'll see if it pans out. Yeah. But if not, at least I'm having fun. Yeah. So in this in this time where you said that you've had to stress test the what you've learned in the woods and what you've learned from all of the, let's say content magazine articles that you've read over the years that you went in and stress test. Is there one thing that kind of sticks out that you're like, Hey man, this is what I've learned. And that thing has led me to more encounters. Hmm. Um, you know, I think there's maybe two things that, at least, I don't know if these are the two very most important things, but the, the two things that come up that came to mind for me. Um, I would say there was two things that I learned early on that I have um, now stress test and come to find on my own that aren't as true as maybe what I had thought a decade or more ago. Right. So one of these things I think is pretty obvious. Um, but it came from like early on, right in 2008 and nine, when was I finishing college? Yeah. I was finishing college in like 2008 and nine. And I remember like watching all the hunting TV shows and everything. And even like those first couple of years out of college, um, watching all the shows, watching you on white knuckle productions, um, shooting your two by four and all that <laughs> stuff. Right. Um, so all those early years watching, um, all that stuff 
I definitely was one of those kids that came into it thinking that I should see and observe deer doing the same things in Michigan as they do in Iowa on big food plots and all that kind of stuff. And so I definitely went in earlier into my life thinking that I would see deer traveling on the edge of the field and that they'd be working through, you know, nice little funnels and they'd be doing all this kind of stuff. Um, and that I'd see these deer, uh, that is, I guess that's it, that I thought I would see mature bucks in these like pretty places. Um, and year after year after year, I keep on realizing I got to push farther in and farther in and farther in, and that I got to get more aggressive and get deeper and get into the shit to find the older bucks. So every year I get more aggressive in that kind of way into going deeper versus thinking I can sit on, you know, not that you can't, some places you can, but, um, you know, I used to think that you could catch them in the wide open transition on the edge of a field or something. And, and sometimes, you know, you see them in those places, but more often the deeper you get, the better, especially in pressured areas with these bucks that just, if they are ever going to get old, they get old by being in the gnarly out of the way spots. And that brings me to the more important thing though. Probably one of the biggest things is I, I grew up, um, like my, my introduction, like when I first dove into trying to, you know, get really serious about deer hunting and try to start killing older bucks, I dove right into like the, 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 the gospel that I studied and, and the temple I worshiped under was all about pressured whitetails and how they, they, uh, reacted to human presence and pressure. And so everything I had, you know, kind of been taught and was learning about was like, you cannot ever educate a deer to your presence. You cannot ever spook a deer or else that buck will never show up in Michigan. You will not see a mature buck again if you spook him once. You will not see that buck anymore if you push into his bedding area and you screw it up. So for a lot of years early in that phase, um, I operated on eggshells. So part of why I would hunt the exterior of cover or something was that i was so worried like man if i go in here even a hundred yards and i spook that one buck i'm after i will never see him again i will never have a chance at this mature buck because he's the only three-year-old in my area and if i screw it up done so for a super long time i hunted in that kind of way i hunted afraid of my own shadow that i was going to screw something up that my intrusion into here would mess things up uh and year after year i've i've pushed further and further and gotten more and more aggressive and realized that you can get away with that and you will be rewarded for that more often than not. The the upside of getting aggressive and going in to either scout or hunt or to push in to hunt closer to the bedding area or to spend a day scouting in a new state without hunting at all, but hiking around all over the place. You know, 10 years ago, I never would have thought that it could have helped me to go out into a bedding area in the middle of the day in November, I would have thought, oh gosh, I'll ruin it. Um, while fast forward 10 years and that's what it takes to get to the spot where I can get a shot about is to scout into the middle, like right in the middle of the very best stuff in the world, but you would never know is the very best stuff in the world unless you went in there and confirmed it. Um, and so, so now I'm realizing that I can get away with a lot more than I ever thought, even in the highly pressured places. Um, now you gotta do a lot, right? Um, you can't do you can't do this aggressive stuff over and over and over and over again. But I've come to realize that I can be way more aggressive, even in Michigan, even with all these other people around, 
um, I can do that without screwing it up entirely way more than I ever thought. And by doing that, I'm putting myself in, you know, better positions to get, to get a shot at deer. Um, so I don't want as quote unquote scared as I used to. I I'm, I'm much more comfortable being aggressive, taking my shots, pushing into places or scouting into places and knowing that, yeah, I am, I am making some kind of impact. I'm going to be smart about when I do this. I'm not going to do it too much. I'm not going to do it over and over and over again. But man, if I need to go and make a ruckus for an afternoon, um, I'm going to make sure that I get a return on that investment. Yeah. And, and that's how I look at those things now. So yeah. that's been the biggest thing. I'll be being a lot more aggressive and being comfortable making an impact sometimes knowing that I can cash in on that information or cash in on that, you know, diving into the right spots because that's what it takes to, to kill an older deer in, in a lot of places at least. Yeah. And again, I, I say this a lot when I talk with you, because we've covered the bases, you know, throughout the yeah. years of the wired to hunt and, and having oh, you yeah. on here and things like that. And so, uh, we've talked about, we talk about this all the time, but for me, I feel you can get a, you can get away with that pressure that you're talking about if the access route is on point. And so yeah. if, if you need to go in and leave a little pressure, put that pressure in the right spot, access that, that that stand location in the right spot and dude i'm telling you you can hunt if you if you do it right and mind the wind and mind the thermals and and just kind of have a strategy going into it you can get away with that consistent pressure over and over because it's at the end of the day it's really not pressure if the deer aren't aren't i guess finding out that you're there yeah and i guess that like you know i think part of this comes down to like our own personal evolution, right? Right. I think like probably the advice to be very careful about the pressure you put on your property, that's probably good advice to Mark Kenyon of 2009. Yeah. Because Mark Kenyon of 2009 wouldn't have known how to go in there and do it in a smart way. I wouldn't have known how to do it without blowing everything up. I wouldn't have known when to do it in a way or how to access or how to mine my wind properly to not blow the hell out of it. So for, for a lot of people that are just figuring this stuff out, um, it might not be a bad idea to, to at first be cautious, to at first learn all these other variables first before you start trying to go in there kamikazeing into the heart of things. Because to do that successfully, it does require good access. It does require understanding your wind. It does require knowing when the right times are to do that. It does require you know this, that, and the other thing. Um, I think we've just personally been able to get to the point now where we understand how to walk that line. And I think right, that, that all comes down to an evolution. And yeah. I think you can, you can test that kind of stuff in one of two ways. You can start cautiously and learn a little bit more and get a little bit more aggressive and learn a little bit more and get a little more aggressive. So you can take the, the slow approach to that, or you can take the, I'm going to cannonball into the deep end and just know like you're going to wreck a lot of stuff along the way, but maybe you end up eventually succeeding more quickly because like you dove right in and you knew like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to blow a lot of stuff up. I'm going to be like the bull in the China shop these next couple of years. And I don't care. Maybe I will never get a shot at a buck, but I'm going to learn so much in these next two years um, by diving right in and doing the crazy stuff that maybe every once in a while actually will work out. Um, but you, you make a lot of mistakes 
but by making a lot of mistakes fast, you learn fast. That's one way to do it too, maybe. Yeah. Um, I think I took the the slow and steady approach, um, which now allows me to to do stuff that in the past would have broke things, but instead I can, you know, more tactfully break things, but also be in the china shop with the opportunity to, to get the goodies. Yeah. Um, I don't know if my analogy makes sense there, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, we're all trying to get the goodies. You know what I mean? Yes. So that's the truth. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I don't know. I, and, and I think with, with the understanding comes the fun that we were talking about, yeah. right? Once you can understand yeah. more of this and it becomes clear, dude, it, it can be way, it can be way more fun. Um, or it can also be like, even after 20 years of bow hunting, I can sit here and just sit in my truck at the farm before I walk in for an evening hunt and just overanalyze everything and just like, God, why don't, why can't I just make a decision? I know where I need to be, but this other spot looks yeah. so good and blah. And it, I have this internal debate, but that's also kind of the fun part of it too, you know? Yeah, that, that, that definitely can be part of the fun part. And I, I really hope like, my my greatest hope for this coming year is that I can just stop caring if the hunt goes well. Yeah. Like I want I want to go out and hunt and like do the thing and then let bygones be bygones. Like if it doesn't work out, no biggie. Enjoy the process. Like I've, I've said that I've known this for for a handful of years. Um, like you gotta enjoy the process. You gotta you gotta divorce yourself from the results. That's yeah. not up to me. The end results in the end aren't up to me. Um, but the process is and enjoying the process. Is. And so I've, I've known that intellectually. I've told myself that year after year, the past few years, but it's still been hard to actually do that in the moment. And I really, really, really want this next year to be the year where I can live that and not be stressed out because like for so many years, like I'd be out there and would be on pins and needles creeping out to my tree stand and if i spooked a bunch of deer on the way to the trees there's, there's just like this pit in your stomach and your heart drops like god damn it i ruined it you yeah. know the hunt's done you know it's like oh, i'm sick of like getting upset over this stuff yeah that in the long run doesn't matter that much yeah. or like you said like being so stressed trying to figure out should i go here or go there should i go here or go there i want to like have the fun of that puzzle without the misery of oh, I'm going to do the wrong thing or ah, I don't know what to do and I'm screwing this up and this isn't going right. And everybody else is killing something and I'm not. What kind of knucklehead am I? Blah, blah. I'm just, I'm just over that. I'm just, I had too much of that feeling last year. Uh, I just really want to, I just want to enjoy the challenge instead of like suffering the challenge. Um, so that's, I think this coming this coming year, like that's going to be my goal, yeah. is to enjoy the challenge instead of like suffering the challenge, suffering yeah. through the challenge or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and and then I want to shoot good. That's my other big thing this year. Is I want to yeah. continue working on my shooting things. Um, that's uh, those are. I might have no goals related to actually killing animals. Yeah. No, I don't care if I shoot a four year old or if I shoot a target buck. None of that stuff I think matters this year. I think those two things there will be, I think my two goals there will be one, fun, and number two, have my first truly controlled shot at an animal. Yeah. If I can do those two things, I think 2022 will be a really, really good year. Yeah. 
so I saw the Instagram post, right? And then I was messing around on YouTube, was waiting for something to upload. And, and then I noticed, um, I watched that video in Iowa of that buck coming through and the, what's the thing? What are we talking about? We're talking about the shank or the, oh, the buck I missed. The, yeah. The bus, the buck you missed. And that was in Iowa, right? Yeah. 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 So the Iowa one. Yeah. yeah the Iowa one. So you, you missed that deer and, and you talked about it earlier in the episode, how it just kind of like a wound and that, and that miss kind of just kind of threw you off uh, as f- from the year. Let me ask you this instantly did, did, did the fact that, Hey, I got to work on my shot in come instantly, like in the stand after you made the shot, or did that come later on in the season where you're just like, man, I got to get, I got to get control. Um, I mean, it was, it was, it was, I guess I'm not exactly sure where or when, because, you know, like two years ago or three years ago, I had made a decision. Like I got to get, I got to figure out this. I know I'm rushing shots. I got to figure it out. I got to do something different. So I think three years ago or something, I had that epiphany. Um, and so I, you know, I looked into some of the different ideas. I looked into, um, like the controlled shooting process stuff from Joel Turner. I talked to, you know, I talked to John Dudley and those guys. And the biggest thing I did at that point was I switched to a tension activated release, I switched to a silverback. And, and that helped me a lot. I felt more comfortable. I thought I was in control. Um, and I was, you know, shooting good and feeling good behind the house and all that kind of stuff. And for two years I had, you know, good shots on deer. Um, so I thought I was working. I thought I was in a good place. Um, but I think that I was, I was, I was leaning on that release a little bit too much and, and the release helps because with a tension activated release like that, um, I can't pull the trigger. Historically, my problem has been that I would go into, I've never had like buck fever in the way of like, I shouldn't say never, but almost never have buck fever in the way of like super shaky or like freaking out in that kind of way. My thing has always been that I just rush the shot. Like as soon as my pin is on the vitals, it's gone. I, I never, I've never, I don't think ever put my pin on an animal and just like watched it and said, all right, let's think about this or all right, let's hold on. I've never been able to be on target and not send that arrow right away. And so that has led to rush shots. Now, probably nine times out of 10, the pin was in the right place when I rushed the shot and I shot okay on that animal. But there have been plenty of other times where that's resulted in me pulling a little bit and hitting the deer in the gut or uh, a couple times missing entirely. So the silverback was, was kind of a band-aid because it got me through the 2018 season, way through the 2020 season with good kills and good shots. And I felt okay. I felt good about stuff. I thought I was fine. Um, but I never really addressed the underlying issue was like, which was actually being in control, right? I was, resol- I was the release forced me to slow down because I couldn't, I couldn't hit that trigger as soon as the pin was on the vitals because you, you know, you have to pull back with your arm and shoulder for it to go off. You can't press the trigger. So it, it forced me to slow down a little bit, but what has ended up happening over the years of shooting that release 
is I think my body has gotten better and better at, at knowing what it needs to do with my back and shoulder to achieve the same effect. So when I look back at the shots I took on deer this past year with my bow, um, with a back tension activate release, I realize I'm still rushing it. I'm still actually not consciously in control. I'm doing a process, basically an autopilot. That's a, like I have good form. I'm doing the right things, basically, but I'm rushing through those moments, and and I couldn't stop it. If I, I I couldn't look back on any of those shots and actually tell you like, oh, I should stop this. No, it was like a train that was going. Yeah, and my back and shoulders operate like a finger on a trigger now with that release. Um, so, you know, what happened that that first shot on a deer was I was, I was at full draw for two minutes. I think the camera said for two minutes or something like that. And then finally I, I couldn't get a shot at this doe. When I finally was able to get a shot, you know, it was like a situation like there's no way you can't have, you, know, you have to get a shot at deer. It's the last day of the hunt. You know, you got to get this. It's got to happen. You got to make this opportunity count. Um, and so I'm sure all that led to, you know, I, I, maybe not. I mean, it just was, it was how the hunt went, right? It was like stuck full draw and, and maybe I would have been fine if I hadn't been, maybe my arm was just tired and I dropped my arm a little bit, or maybe I did rush that shot. I can't consciously remember, you know, exactly what my problem was in that moment. All I remember was being a full draw forever. She stepped out. I was able to slip the shot in there. And it hit low, um, is what I thought. Yeah. So that all, though, because in the back of my mind, I knew I was not 100%, you know, perfect. Like, I, 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 in the back of my mind, I knew, like, you didn't really have full control of that thing. I think this is what happened, but you don't know 100%. I think that got in my mind after that first bad, you know, I wasn't able to recover that deer. Um, and then, you know, like, each hunt after that, something else will go wrong. And so that, that led me to then after that full miss on that buck, um, being like, God, I can't have this kind of stuff happen anymore. Like I've had too many things where the shot wasn't just right, a follow-up shot, or you missed the deer, or you wounded deer, or you're just not 2,000% confident. I just I don't want that feeling anymore. Yeah. Even though I've been working my ass off to get better at it and practice a ton, like there's still something underlying that's keeping you from being able to execute this the way you need to. Um, and I think, you know, what happened after that miss is like, the next hunt I went on, I was so, um, I was so worried about screwing up again that I wasn't taking shots that I maybe should have or could have. Yeah. Um, so like I had deer that were within my previous comfortable range that I wasn't drawing back on because I was like, man, I can't afford to mess this up again. I have to have like an absolute slam dunk no questions asked. Like I need a 15 yard shot to get my confidence back. So I passed on like 32 yard shots at a good buck that, you know, fast forward two months and I would have been like, heck yeah. But now like, I want him at 18. Come on, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Cause I was, yeah, I'd lost that confidence. Um, so that kept like happening. I had another experience like in Wisconsin where, you know, I, I maybe could have repositioned and taken a shot, like a 38, 39 yard shot that, you know, previously was well within my comfortable range. But now I'm like, no way, man. I want him to move all the way up into this 20 yard spot because I, I don't trust myself with a 38 yard shot anymore. Um, like that's where things had gotten to. So after the year, looking back on all that, I'm like, man, 
you've you've lost your confidence with it. You have less control than you thought. This release it certainly helped with some of these things, and it got me through a couple of years. But it all kind of came falling down this year, and now I'm realizing that I was like putting lipstick on a pig. Yeah. Um, and so that led me to, you know, this year tearing things down again, not relying on a release to give me control, but trying to find a system that can can give me control in my own head versus in my hand in the form of a release. So that's that's where I'm that's where I'm at now and trying to work through some stuff and get into a better place by the by the this coming season. Yeah. And that's good, man. We've all we all go through that. I mean I, I still go through that every every summer when I ramp up my shooting to uh, you know, before the season starts and I'm confident. And, and then at that point is when I set my boundaries, like I'm not taking a shot over X number of yards in different scenarios and things like that. And so for me, it's like, dude, it, it is so hard when something you are so passionate about steps out and all the time and energy that, you know, that you're going to shoot this deer, it hypes you up, man, because you, oh, yeah. because you love it. And so telling yourself, like, I don't know if I would like hunting as much if I didn't get that excited when a, a buck stepped out or any deer. Like if I knew, you know, like it doesn't matter if it's a buck or a doe, your heart rate becomes elevated when you, when you have made the decision to shoot that deer. And so oh, yeah. if I didn't get that jacked about it, I don't think I would be a deer hunter. Yeah. It is, it is the, it's the best thing about it is that, yeah. that, that just uh, adrenaline rush, man. It's a wild thing, yeah. It's, it's the culmination of of all the other stuff, and and that's why it's so fraught with a uh, with excitement or something. But uh, but you got to be able to control it too. That's fact. That is a fact. And I, I and I know, like, just for me personally, I've been able to now control it better. I'm not going to say I'm in full control, but I'm going to say that through the repetitive shooting that I do throughout the summer and through having encounters with the deer that I'm, you know, and, and the success that I've had in the past eight or six years or seven years or whatever it's been. Um, I know for a fact that I'm better now than I was in 2010. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. so that, yeah. that's, that's good to know. I don't know. That makes me feel confident and I take that confidence out into the wood with me and I, I fling arrows. And so, um, I don't know, man, good luck with all that though. I, I I'm looking forward to hearing the pro uh, progression of this all and the progress that you make. And, and if you feel it's going to help you, uh, this fall. Yeah, man. Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm excited too. I, I spent, uh, spent a day with a coach two days ago in Washington. And, uh, I think we really, we really made some progress. I was doing some stuff that I couldn't even done a week ago i don't think after just implementing some different systems and um i'm feeling good about it and i think uh i don't think i'm turning a page i am turning a page i'm gonna be in control i'm only gonna shoot shots where i'm really consciously in control uh going on autopilot using muscle memory that is not that is not the route to success i've discovered yeah. and so uh so i gotta be in it consciously the entire time and, and I'm, I'm learning how to do that now yeah. so uh that's that's gonna be great i'm excited to take my first shot in an animal actually fully consciously in that moment thinking through each thing i'm doing 
and able to stop at any point if I want. That's going to be a really good feeling yeah. that I don't think I've ever really experienced before. So awesome, man. That's that's going to be 2022. Awesome. Well, I hope your 2022 season, uh, I hope you just crush it, Mark. I appreciate you coming on today and uh, chatting as usual. And, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk again. Yeah, man. I'm excited about it. I I enjoyed our chat. It's always, it's always good to get to, uh, oh, just uh, look back on our our early childhood days (laughs) back in 2013 and 14 when we were young, young Young pups. And, uh, how far we've come so uh let's uh let's do this again soon on on wired to hunt absolutely man and there we have it huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast wasp excalibur hunt stand vortex and exodus please go out and support the brands that support this podcast huge shout out to mark for taking time out of his day huge shout out to my wife for being patient with me uh, and allowing me to grow this business and happy birthday to my oldest son mac you're a stud. Dad loves you. I know you'll probably never hear this, but uh, um, happy birthday. He's seven today. Go shout out. If you see him, shout him out. I don't know. That, that was dumb. Don't don't shout him out. <laughs> He's seven. Uh, other than that, dude, it's all about good vibes. Hopefully spring springs here pretty soon. It's cold here in Iowa. I'm ready to go out and do some mushroom hunting now. Uh, so I need some warmer soil temps. But uh, man, it's all about those good vibes, good vibes in, good vibes out. And we'll talk to you next time.